Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully, you all had a great Thanksgiving. I, we had a good one. We had a close to 30 people at our house. <laughs> Pretty crowded, but it was great. Uh, we're in a series. We teach on a certain topic, usually for a couple weeks at a time. And so we're in a series called What Would Jesus Undo? And I was surprised how many of you folks back in the 90s were there What Would Jesus Do? bracelets and, and other clothing items. So uh, today's topic is hypocrisy. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But last week we talked about indifference or apathy or lukewarmness. And this was something certainly Jesus would undo today if he could undo it or undo it in your life, in my life. He wants something better for us than indifference. And I left you with a challenge last week. And here's the challenge. Do something every day that requires faith. And I got thinking about this on Thursday morning, Thanksgiving morning, we cut down three big trees. Takes a lot of faith to cut down trees, especially when they're next to the house and you don't want them to fall in the house. And that all turned out fine, so thank you, God. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're here this morning, great. And maybe you can relate. But one of the biggest problems that people that aren't Jesus follower followers have with Jesus followers is what? What is almost probably their number one complaint about us? That you're a hypocrite, right? That you, what you appear is not what you really are. You're a hypocrite. And often we'll uh, make jokes about it, especially pastors like myself, and say, well, come join us. We're always room for one more. Because everybody's kind of a hypocrite uh, in some area of their life. But it, it's really not funny, is it? Because it's painful to see someone uh, that is claiming one thing and living a different way. Especially if there's somebody you look up to. I remember our mom, uh, uh, when she first became a Christian, she was in her 30s. And uh, she kind of idolized or put on a pedestal our pastor's wife. And uh, Mrs. Watson. And then one day she found out that she did housework on Sunday. And it just caused her this, you know, oh, you know, in my mom's eyes, you shouldn't do housework on on Sunday. And so she was just, it was painful to her. It it hurt her. She she kind of fell off the pedestal. Now, part of the problem, we shouldn't put people on pedestals. But uh, we do look at people and we compare what they say to what they do. And if they don't match, it's, it's hard. It's painful. And then maybe you've had this experience in your life, someone you looked up to and Eventually, they did something that disappointed you, and it was painful. It was hard. <clears throat> now, we might say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, we're going to find out that Jesus considers this a really, really big deal. In fact, he doesn't just call it a sin. He calls it a horrible sin, maybe the worst sin. And most of us wouldn't consider that that, that important or that big, would we? So if Jesus were here today, uh, one thing he would undo, I believe, is hypocrisy this was huge now don't raise your hand but do you know a hypocrite we all could put our hand up right but here's a more important question do you see hypocrisy in yourself it's easy to see in others isn't it not so easy to see in ourselves so I'm first going to tell you what hypocrisy is not because sometimes we get things confused Hypocrisy is not the disparity between what we do and what we wish we did. 
So I wished I got up early this morning and spent time with the Lord, read my Bible and prayed and, you know, got all ready to come to church this morning. But I was up too late last night and I got up the, the, the kid, take, kid, get the kids ready for, and I didn't have time for that. Well, that's not hypocrisy. I've got this, uh, I'm I'm fighting this addiction and I gave in to that addiction and uh, I shouldn't have, but I did, whatever it might be, and that's not hypocrisy. I wish I hadn't said that. I said something I shouldn't have said. It wasn't very nice. I shouldn't have said that, Uh, that, but I did. That's not hypocrisy. Here's what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the gap between what we show and who we are. What people think we are and what we really are. What we're willing to show. Another way to say it's this. What we say versus how we live. What we say versus how we live. So if we're saved, you know, I'm like this, I do this, I don't do this, and then I wind up not doing those things or I do those things, that's hypocrisy, isn't it? Now the term goes back to Greek, Greek plays. And in Greek plays, they often wore masks and the Greek word for hypocrite is very similar in Greek. <clears throat> but it means one who hides behind a mask. And some of you have seen these masks. I'll put it up on the screen. Nowadays, they use them for horror films, don't they? <laughs> but anyway, um, the person could wear the sad mask and be doing fine inside. But the part they're playing for this play is to be sad. So they wear that mask because everybody that sees them knows what, what they're supposed to be betraying or vice versa. They could be putting on a happy mask and their lives could be falling apart but as far as the audience knows or sees, they are happy. Now, I see it kind of both sides in, in, in those of us that are Jesus followers. I see the angry one and that's the person that says, I don't drink or smoke or chew or go, the girl, go with girls that do but they're miserable. They're not happy because they're living a lie. They're living, uh, it's not real to them. It's not, they're not motivated from the inside. They're forcing themselves to try and do these things to, be, to make a show for people on the outside. So that's the angry side. Then there's the happy side. And there's people that come to church no matter what's going on in their lives. They are happy. They're saying, praise the Lord. Everything's great. And their marriage is falling apart or their finances are falling apart or their health's falling apart, but they're not willing to admit it. They believe they have to put on a show that everything's good. Now, uh, before we get to what Jesus said, which is basically we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at something that Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, uh, he said about a group of people in the church in his day. He said, such people claim they know God I'm a Jesus follower, but they deny him by the way they live. They don't live like a Jesus follower. Uh, Big deal, little deal, no deal at all. Well, (laughs) what's he say? They are, look at these words, detestable, disobedient, and worthless for doing anything good. Big deal, right? Big deal. Now, Jesus' day, and we're going to get to text here in a minute, he talked about people, religious people, very religious people, like you know, the most religious people. They would do things like stand on a street corner and pray. Now, praying is good, but the reason they stood on a street corner and prayed was everybody thought they would be, they're so spiritual. Not because (laughs) uh, the prayer was important. In fact, Jesus, in that example, he says, you ought to go in your closet and pray. 
It's about you and God, not other people. They'd do other things. They'd fast. That means they would go periods of time without eating. Uh, the purpose is to connect with God, but their purpose was to let everybody think how spiritual they were. And there's other examples that Jesus used. And we're going to see that Jesus didn't just say this was a bad thing to do. <laughs> this is about as harsh a condemnation of anything we can find in Scripture. Remember the one time when, or twice, he came into the temple and they were uh, selling offerings to people to offer and sacrifice and change, exchanging money. And Jesus didn't come in and just say, naughty, naughty, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to stop that. Now, what did Jesus say? If you read the text, both times, what did he do? He flipped the tables over out of anger. He didn't hurt anybody, but he was angry. He said, you made this house of prayer a den of thieves. What were they doing? They were just being dishonest in their dealings. So in Matthew chapter 23, that's the first account in the New Testament we have in Jesus' life. In chapter 23, there's a section we call the seven woes. Now, I'm not going to use the text that uses, literally uses the word woe, but uh, we're going to look at three, two or three, three or four of these woes, or this text is going to read a little bit different. It's going to use the word sorrow. And he's addressing this specific topic, words of Jesus. He says, what woe to you or what sorrow awaits you? Now, notice who he's talking to. He's not just talking to us, you regular folks. He, he's talking to religious leaders and Pharisees, which were religious leaders. So these are the most religious people. These are the professional religious people. And what does he call them? What's the word? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. So he's going to explain why he thinks they're hypocrites. You are careful to eat to tithe even the tiniest income from your, your herb, herb garden. So I had this little herb garden. My wife has a little one. Now, if she was to harvest the, those and sell them, made a few bucks, say she made five bucks, she would make sure she gave 50 cents to the church. All right? Really important. But, the text goes on, Jesus goes on. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. So, there are certain things that you and I should do that are more important than other things that you and I should do. And tithing is not one of the top ones. What are some of the top ones? Justice, mercy, and faith. We talked about faith last week. Faith, it's impossible to please God without faith. So got, faith's got to be huge. Now notice he said, you should tithe. <laughs> you should give the 10%. That's important. It's part of the law. You should do that but not neglect the most important things. Now tithing, they would walk up in front, in front of the temple and put the money in and people would see. Uh, so it was, again, for show. It's uh, putting on an act. Uh, but they might not notice that they were just uh, being just or have mercy or having faith. So that's one. He, then he goes on. What sorrow or woe to you who waits your teacher, uh, sorrow waits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees. Here's our word again. Hypocrites. All right, he's going to use a word picture. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Now we know what tombs are. 
um, they would bury the bodies in these and make them pretty, paint them on the outside so they look nice. So we understand that, right? Pretty nice, clean, white on the outside, but inside there's going to be dead bodies. And if you're Jewish, you, you can't touch a dead body or it makes you impure. So he says, okay, you look good on the outside, but you're stinking rotten on the inside. All sorts of impurities. So he explains, you look like righteous people. You look like really religious, really holy people. But in reality, <laughs> inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. There's our word hypocrite again. And lawlessness, disobedience. So this is really important. You look one way on the outside, but reality is you're different on the inside. Your life is, is a show. You're, you're faking it. Now notice a couple of verses down how he, what he calls these folks that live that way. <clears throat> Snakes. We shouldn't call people names, right? Well, Jesus tended to at times. Snakes, sons of vipers, you will be, how will you escape from the judgment of hell? So hypocrisy wasn't a minor issue. Hypocrisy wasn't a big, wasn't, wasn't a big deal. It was a huge deal to Jesus. And the interesting thing to me is this. Jesus wasn't calling out the sin. He wasn't saying, oh, you, you used the foul language or you, you know, gave into your addiction or you, know, you had lustful thoughts or, or whatever it might be. He, he, he didn't address those sins, the ones we consider quote-unquote bad. What he called out or he considered bad was the show. That you're putting on a show, it's not real, it's fake. Uh, we live in the social media age, and I got to thinking about this, and I connect with some of you folks on, on social media. Uh, so we show our family at Thanksgiving with everybody having smiles on their faces. You know, an hour earlier there might have been a fight in the family, an hour later there might have been a fight in the family, but we don't put that on social media, do we? Everything in social media is, looks good. In fact, it kind of reminded me of something, and I came across this term, I really like it. It's, it's like Lego life. Remember the Lego movie? Everything is awesome. That's what social media sounds to us, right? Your life might be falling apart, but as far as I know, on social media, everything is awesome. Now, so I'm talking about hypocrisy. How are you feeling this morning? Anybody feeling a little uncomfortable? I hope so. Because if you're not, you're not very self-aware. There's probably a little bit of hypocrisy in all of us, right? So this is making a little bit uncomfortable good. <laughs> all right, because that's something we need to work on. So the next question is this, is there hope? <laughs> Are we stuck? No, 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 no. There's always hope in Jesus, right? So we'll, we'll go down and do another one of these woes, and then Jesus is going to give us hope. This is in verse uh, 25. Woe to you, or what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and Pharisees. Again, the most religious people. Hypocrites. He gives us another word picture. This one's really easy for us to understand. 
For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy full of greed and self-indulgence. I don't normally do dishes, but after everybody left our house on Thanksgiving night, uh, I helped my wife with the dishes. Now, can you imagine cleaning the outside of the dish and then leaving it dirty on the inside and then sticking it in the, in the cupboard and then pulling it out and using it the next day? Anybody want to use that dish? Nobody's going to use that dish, right? Um, if it was clean on the inside but happened to be dirty on the outside, we might use it, right? Because the inside's the part we use. <clears throat> Notice what he's describing as the filth on the inside. Greed and self-indulgence or selfishness or self-centeredness. And then, uh, somebody agrees with me. Anyway. <laughs> uh, then he uses an interesting term. He described these folks as what? Blind. Again, like I said earlier, it's hard to see hypocrisy in ourselves. Easy to see it in others. Hard to see in ourselves. So it's like you're blind. So it gives us the solution. It gives us hope. First, uses the same analogy. First wash the cup and the dish on the inside. Preferably inside and out. Then the outside will become clean. Now here's the thing about Christianity different to all the religions in the world. Christianity is from the inside out. We accept the gift of Jesus Christ and salvation. The Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us and changes us from the inside out, ideally. The problem is sometimes that inside doesn't match our outside, and we know as a Jesus follower I'm supposed to live a certain way, so we put on a show. We make people think we're doing the right stuff when it hasn't, that transformation hasn't happened on the inside. But once it happens on the inside, it, becomes, it naturally happens on the outside. Now, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor like 40 years. And I see trends in the church. And one of the good trends I've seen in the church is back 40 years ago, people tended to put pastors on kind of a pedestal and expect them to be more spiritual than everybody else. Maybe you've been there, done that. Uh, in reality, we're not any more spiritual than anybody else. Which is healthy. I think that the church realizes that nowadays. Um, and I shared this with you before. When somebody asks me how I'm doing, I usually pause and think, well, how am I doing? Rather than say, I'm fine. And then, uh, sometimes I do that. If it's somebody that I, doesn't, I think doesn't really want to know the answer to that question. But if somebody is really concerned, really, really wants an answer, I'll give them an answer. I, well, I'm good, or I'm not, well, I'm not, uh, not a tough day for me today, or whatever it might be. Um, it's so much better living that way, isn't it? Someone has said this, uh, we're only as sick as our secrets. That's really good. And so sometimes I feel like I'm a full-time pastor but a part-time Jesus follower. Uh, maybe you're a full-time student, part-time Jesus follower, full-time whatever your profession might be. A couple of weeks ago, I, I was able to share, and I commend you on this, the fact that I challenged you praying that prayer, God's will, not mine, be done. And I told you, I, I was struggling right at that moment praying that prayer. And nobody came up to me and said, oh, you're horrible, pastor. But I could have said, hey, that's easy for me. I do it all the time. And you all, I don't know what you would have thought, 
But it'd be a lie, wouldn't it? It'd be hypocrisy. I'd be faking it. So thank you for letting me be real. And hopefully it's a church where everybody can be real. Chuck Swindoll said this a long time ago. Never forgot it. He said, the church is the only army that shoots its wounded. Meaning when you're hurting, instead of helping you, we put you down. I don't think the church is, hopefully our church isn't that way, but the church in general is not that way so much uh, anymore. So on your outline, Jesus has, notice, zero tolerance for hypocrisy. It's unacceptable 100% of the time. But unlimited, no limits to his grace for sinners in need of forgiveness. One time Jesus said this, I didn't come for the people that are well, I came for people that were sick. So Jesus can't help us as long as we're thinking we're well when we're really sick. If we admit we're sick, then he can help us. So if I pray this prayer, prayer Jesus, I, will you help me change this area of my life? How is he going to answer that prayer? Every time. Yes. <laughs> Every time. Yes, I'll help you change that area of your life. On the screen, on the outline. You and I have nothing to fear when we have nothing to hide. Oh, what if people find out? What if people find out I do this? Or what if people find out I do that? Nothing to fear. You have nothing to hide. Uh, Proverbs, book in the Old Testament, got a lot of practical wisdom in it. So I just wanted to add this to our study this morning. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. It won't go well for them. All right? But if they confess and turn, we use the word repent for turn, from them, they will receive mercy. We all want mercy. Everybody wants mercy, right? Well, this is how you get mercy. It's not by concealing it, but by confessing and turning. So blessed are those who fear to do wrong, but the what? Stubborn are headed for serious trouble. So if we're, you know, strong-willed that we refuse to do this, admit this, we're headed for trouble. Someone had said this, and I thought it was really good, so it's on your outline. (laughs) You're only as strong as you are honest. You're only as strong as you are honest. Now, we tell you this week after week after week. Life's better to get connected. Life's better together. Circles are better than rows, and everybody needs to be in a small group. Now, the reason is that you and I can do this. I don't think it's appropriate, and most of us wouldn't do it. We don't feel safe enough in this gathering here to get up and say, hey, um, I was looking at pornography last night, or um, I got drunk last night, or I did this last night, or I did that last night. But once you're in a small group and you're with those people week after week, month after month, trust level begins to build, it becomes a safe place, and you can say, hey, yeah, yeah, I got this addiction, I got this problem, I need help, pray for me, can I call you when I'm struggling? Absolutely. That's Christianity. That's true Christianity. And Jesus said this, you know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. You want to be free? I want to be free. Now we spent five weeks studying King David. 
He was an interesting character because he did a lot of great stuff and he did a lot of not so great stuff. <laughs> and what made him great, one of the things that made him great was when he was confronted with his hypocrisy, uh, Nathan came and confronted him, a, lady, a woman later on came and confronted him. He wasn't stubborn, was he? What did he do? He confessed it, right? Yes, I'm guilty. I've done that. So we're not sure, but we attribute these words in Psalm 139 to David. It's a, it's a nice prayer for, for all of us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Of course, God knows your heart, knows my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Now, one reason we get anxious, stress, worry is because of hypocrisy, isn't it? I'm trying to hide this stuff. What if people find out? They won't like me anymore. They won't love me anymore. God won't love me anymore, whatever. Of course, God knows, and it doesn't affect his love for you. <clears throat> so if you've got a, some anxiety in your life in certain areas, it might be because of something you need to uh, confess, let other people know about. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Help me drop my mask. I'm only as sick as my secrets. So, what do we do with the gap? What do we do with that gap? I like to think of it this way, between our lips and our lifestyle. What do we do with the gap? Is there any hope? <clears throat> We're really important. Again, Christianity is from the inside out. So we don't close, close the gap with perfection. I don't close the gap by, well... I'm going to straighten this area of my life out because there's always going to be some other area that we don't have straightened out. You close the gap with Jesus. Instead of, I want to do this, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have willpower to do it. God, take the desire away from me. From the inside out. And that's when it becomes free. That's when there's no anxiety. And that's when we're no longer hypocrites. So if Jesus was wanted to do anything in your life and my life, undo anything, it would be, I believe, hypocrisy. So I don't know what you're hiding this morning. Maybe you're hiding a relationship issue. You got a big smile on your face and you and your wife or spouse are, are fighting. Maybe even worse, maybe there's a, you know, a lawyer involved or, or some other aspect there. Or maybe your kids are driving you crazy or maybe worse, getting in a serious trouble and you're not letting anybody know. You're not letting anybody in. Maybe you've got a health issue. I'm telling you about my wife's health issue, the one we're dealing with. By the way, we get to see the doctor on Tuesday. I pray that we get some kind of answer. Appreciate that. Um, maybe it's a financial issue. Uh, one of the neat things about the, some of the ministries we do we can't do those ministries unless people let us know about their, their financial needs. Again, Jesus has how much tolerance for hypocrisy? Zero. But unlimited grace for sinners in need of forgiveness. So I'm going to give you a daily prayer challenge. And it's a dangerous prayer. I'll warn you ahead, ahead of time. God, show me an area of my life where I am wearing a mask and help me to remove it. God, show it to me. 
And then give me the courage to stop hiding it, to remove it. Then you'll be free. No more secrets. Uh, you can heal. I talked about courage a lot. It takes courage to do this. But the spirit of God, if, if nothing else, is a spirit of courage, isn't it? Ask for help when you need it. We won't necessarily be any better than anybody else. We'll be just different. We'll be open and honest. We won't be a hypocrite. And that's my prayer for you. If Jesus was here, could do one thing, I believe he'd want to undo hypocrisy in your life and mine. So let's pray. We'll have a song and let you folks go. Ah, Father God, this is a tough one because we all have a little bit of this in, in us. And... Um, Part of the problem is we may not have a safe place to be open and honest. And I pray that this church and our other relationships, our family relationships would be places we could do this. And so we've got to be open and honest, but the other person's got to show us grace and mercy. We know you will, God. And if you're not a Jesus follower here this morning, we want to pray that today would be the day that you would uh, accept the gift. It's a free gift. Greatest deal. Sounds too good to be true, but it is true. God loves you enough to send his son to die for you, provide forgiveness for you, salvation, eternal life, empower you to be a courageous person, honest person, be a loving person, a gracious person, a, a merciful person. Um, you'll be free. And for most of us, God, in this group anyway, are Jesus followers and we all probably have an area in our life that we need to uh, stop being stubborn, stop being afraid, to be open and honest, and ask for help. First and foremost from you, God, but also from those around us. So give us insight, give us, take off the blinders, let us see what you see, God. <laughs> let us have eyes to see what you see in us. And again, we pray for the courage to, to change. We thank you that you empower us with the, with the power to do that. So God, we thank you for the work you're doing in us and continue to do in us to making us more like your son Jesus, changing together. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.